Alright, you're all all-stars for being here. I won't, I won't lie, if you're sitting at home, you're probably a little bit warmer than we are. But we have a couple heaters, everyone's dressed appropriately. We have scarves are out, you get to get your scarves out. I have my long, I have this like peacoat thing I'm wearing now without embarrassment, right? So it's beautiful to see you here in person, wonderful for those watching from home. And I just want to acknowledge um, that we all come with different emotions today as Pastor Luke prayed. Uh, I, I share his same heart. And, um, you know, with the election, with, with COVID numbers rising around the globe and in our nation, man, we just have been hit with a lot of stuff, you know. And so we want to acknowledge that. And in that, we want to keep remembering we're here to worship the Lord. We're here to focus on him. This is the unique thing we get to do as believers is to come before him. And we're worshiping the Lord here. Our kids are worshiping the Lord outdoors. And right behind me over here, you might hear them as, as they sing and worship and play. And that's a good thing because we're here to connect with the Lord. And so I want to ask you, where, where are you right now today with the Lord? You need a word of encouragement. You might be filled with joy. You might be devastated. There's something going on that people don't even know. But whatever it is, you can bring that to the Lord. As we spend time in God's word this morning, and, uh, and you'll have uh, my understanding. You don't have to have your Bibles out. I'll have my Bible out, but my, your hands will be warmer if they stay in the pocket. So I'll, you can look on your screens, and we have the scriptures up there. But I want to remind you, come to God's word, that God does want to speak with you today. He wants, to, he wants to give you a word. He wants you to connect with him. He wants you to know that you're loved. He wants you to know there is hope, uh, regardless of your circumstances, which are very real, that God has a word for you. So as we look at God's word, we want to listen for what the Spirit wants to infuse within us today to remind us that our true citizenship continues to reside in heaven. And we're going to talk about this heavenly home today. What does that mean? That our heavenly home is our true citizenship. How does it lead me to live today? And it matters. And God wants to speak to us in that. So last week, we started this new series, uh, this important biblical topic of money. Now, I saw some people who are, haven't been here in a while. They're like, oh, wrong week we chose. Sorry, Pastor Tim, we're out. Really glad you're here. I'm telling you, you're going to be encouraged by this word today. Uh, we started this series on money. Jesus has these specific words. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6 and a few other sections as well. But this biblical topic of money, Randy Alcorn says this in his book, The Treasure Principle, which I'm using kind of as a guideline for some of what we're sharing. He says this, he says, our approach to money and possessions is central to our spiritual life. Central. Not just like a little side thing, it's central to our spiritual lives. Jesus spoke more on money than he did on faith and prayer combined. And Jesus, is he, if he is our leader, our teacher, or our rabbi, as we are his disciples, we better sit up and say, there's a reason why Jesus spoke about money more than prayer, more than faith. It is central to our spiritual lives. And Jesus knows that money is a matter of the heart. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, last week I shared about the apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15, to remind you this biblical idea that giving is always joyful giving. Biblical giving is joyful. Biblical giving is a response to a greater gift you've received. Biblical giving is not about guilt. Rather, it's about gratitude. So let's not forget all of that. Biblical giving is joyful. It's always a response and it's not about guilt. That's how you know it's from the Lord. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. 
There are, these are matters of the heart and God wants to speak to us today about this very important matter. So as we take this month to study Jesus's words, talking about money and possessions, it's going to help us focus on three areas. And this week, we're going to touch one of them. But the three areas, we're going to look at Jesus, what he says about our true home, heaven, what he says about our true vision, and what he says about him being our true Lord and not money. Today, we're going to take a look at what Jesus says about our true home, which is heaven. Again, Matthew 6, 19 to 20, see it again on the screens. Do not lay up treasures for yourselves on earth. And then the, here's the why. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Why? Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. See, Jesus says to consider what is our true home. It's very important. See, heaven is where God is currently reigning. It's not only a future place for us. I tend to think of it as the future. Oh, heaven, one day I'll be in heaven. But you know, heaven exists right now. And in fact, when Jesus is talking about heaven, yes, he's talking, alluding to a future place that we will be, but reminding us that he is from heaven and you, if you follow him, will be with him in heaven. And so that affects how we live right now. And he wants us to remember our true home so that we live now better. Okay. So it's not just a future far away thing. It's a right now thing. See, because in the future, Jesus, when he returns, he's bringing heaven to earth and it's a real place. So it's where God is currently reigning and it is part of our future, but it is real right now. And Jesus wants us to change how we live now based on the reality of our future. In Revelation 21, three, I'm going to turn there real quick because this is what the apostle John got a vision of heaven. And the Bible says, it says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And this is heaven. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. This is the vision that John gets about our future home that Jesus is actually bringing to earth. It's a heavenly earth. And then in Revelation 22, verse three, again, the vision continues says that John has of this heavenly home, this heavenly earth, no longer will there be anything accursed. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. Now, isn't it amazing? We will be his servants and we're worshiping. So what the vision that John has gives us picture that we're not just floating around the clouds in some like intangible place, but it's a real place and that we will be with God and serving him. That's actually a good thing. We're not going to be lounging around in clouds. We're going to be working with the Lord. We get to serve him directly. What a blessing that is. We're joyfully working, serving, loving one another. I hope there's eating. I believe they'll be eating, dancing. I could use some dance lessons from the Lord. We'll be celebrating. It's a real and tangible place. Our future home, which will be a heavenly home, is real. Now, it's a real place without the limitations we have now. So Jesus reminds us of our true home, which affects how we live now. And so when he says the word treasures in heaven, Jesus is not talking about some theoretical thing. He's saying there are real heavenly treasures awaiting for you. They're real. 
Now, we don't know if these are material treasures, something we can grab and hold. I don't know. I don't know if they are spiritual treasures. It will be a new category, but whatever it is, they're real, they're tangible, and the Bible seems to paint a picture that they are awaiting us. For those of us who will invest in heavenly treasures now while we're on earth. And so treasures in heaven are real. Now, whether we know they're physical or spiritual or a combination, these real treasures, Jesus commands us to lay up treasures, to store treasures, to work for treasures. Not because your salvation depends on it, because it doesn't, but he wants us to know that he wants you to have eternal treasures. I don't want you to miss out is what he's saying. And if you invest the way I'm telling you to invest, you will have treasures for eternity that will bring you joy, not only for the future, but even now. And so Jesus commands us to lay up treasures that will benefit for eternity. So let's be clear what Jesus isn't saying though. So what he isn't saying is to ignore earthly problems and to be so focused on heaven, you ignore what's going on on earth. That's, that is what he is not saying. He doesn't want you to do that. That to ignore earthly problems, because I'm going to be in heaven anyway, so why worry about the earth? So here's my thing. I don't want you to think about heaven the same way I think about washing my Prius. Okay? I have a picture on the screen for you. That's my Prius. That's a picture of my window. Because for me, I'm one of those really frugal people. And I think about why bother washing my car? Because it's just going to get dirty. Anyway, now I think that for a week after week after week and turn into the month after month. I have gone 12 months easily without washing my car. What's the point, right? Just going to get dirty again. In fact, in that picture, if you can see it, it's actual cobwebs on my mirror. Because what's the point? They're just going to come back and build cobwebs again. Now, how many are kind of like me with your whole washing? Okay, there's a couple of you like me. Amen. God, godly people. Now, here's the deal. That's fine for car washing. It's fine to think that way. It's a terrible theology to have about heaven. Terrible. Well, what's the point of me changing my life? I'm, God's coming back anyways. I'm going to heaven anyways. It doesn't matter how I live my life. You get the picture? What's the point of caring for the poor? Because you know what? God's going to fix everything in the end anyway. Who cares? I mean, I care, but... God's going to make it all work out in the end. Who cares about the environment? God's going to burn everything up anyway, so it doesn't matter if we pour oil into the ocean. It doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter if we, we, we waste things. It doesn't matter if we throw away food. No. It's a terrible way to live your life the same way I treat my car. <laughs> right? Don't think of your heavenly home as an excuse to not care about things right now. God wants you to care deeply about your life now as you think about your heavenly home. Don't live your life the way I wash my car. Don't say, well, I'm going to heaven one day, so it doesn't matter. Why bother trying to improve anything? You mean your marriage? Your relationships with your kids? You mean the way you, you your work? Uh, <laughs> it's a terrible way to be so heavenly focused that you ignore the reality on earth, which is basically where you live right now, right? It's a terrible way to live. So it's not what Jesus is saying. Be so heaven-focused you don't care about earth. No, it's exactly opposite. See, actually, Dallas Willard, the late Dallas Willard, warns Christians to avoid putting off obeying God now, assuming God is simply going to take care of things in the future. He actually warns us 
It warns Christians against thinking of heaven as, listen to this, as a cosmic car wash. Isn't that amazing? A cosmic car. It doesn't matter how I live now. God's just going to clean me up later. So who cares about my relationships, my marriage, my dating life, the way I spend my money? Oh, well, God cares a lot. And he's trying to point you in that positive way. He's saying, I just want you to have a joyful life now and the future. Store up treasures in heaven by being generous now on earth. He wants good things for you. He wants the best things for you. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul, the apostle, take, takes a cue from Jesus, his Lord, and tells Timothy, he says, remind your people, Timothy, to use your temporary earthly wealth and to give it to those in need. In fact, Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, 18, specifically, as for the rich in this present age, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures, listen to this, for themselves as a good foundation for the future. Isn't this amazing? Paul is echoing Jesus and saying, I don't want you to miss out. Be generous now. Rich people, me, you, anyone who has any resources, be generous now. Care for the needy now. And it will store up a treasure for you. That's unbelievable that God is keeping track. It's not based on your salvation. Trust me. This is not something about you being good enough to earn your way into heaven. Nothing to do with that. You're already saved if you know Jesus. It's about you connecting with Jesus and him saying, I don't want you to miss out on the most joyful, rewarding life for the future and now. Follow me. Hold loosely onto material things because they don't last. There's these things called moths and there's things called rust and there's things called thieves. We're going to talk about that in a second. Can't you see how important it is to treasure our true home, heaven? Because it affects the way we live now. That this new heavenly earth that will be ours one day. See, so heavenly hope, rightly placed, is not a license to be stingy on earth. Exactly the opposite. When you soak in the reality of all that God has for us, we hold on to things lightly. When we really get captivated by the picture of the Lord coming for us and what he's going to do for us for eternity, we go, this life is so short. Why wouldn't I give him everything? It's an invitation that generosity is now it, it being encouraged now by Paul because it points to future treasures that God himself promises. God does not want us to miss out. See, Jesus says in verse 20, Matthew 6, 20, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, just like Paul was saying to Timothy, there are treasures waiting for you where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. And so what is happening is that we are to invest in heavenly investments here on earth that aren't susceptible to loss. See, it's, it's logical here. Jesus is doing the math. He's like, look at this. If you invest in fancy clothes, don't you know that moths can make the most valuable material worthless? Why invest there? And then the word rust here, Jesus could imply a, a lot of things, not just metals rusting, could be anything susceptible to the elements, maybe crops lost to pests. They would have understood that crops being lost or it could have been metal literally deteriorating from the elements. You know, the kind of rust I deal with, my body is rusting away. Just this morning, because like the, the cold air, I get really dry skin. So I was trying to put lotion on. I was trying to put lotion on my back and I was like, oh, Oh, like, 
I literally need to see a physical therapist for my show. I can't go. My body is rusting. I know yours isn't rusting, right? I know you look in the mirror and every day you're just getting more beautiful. That's amen. I'll drink what you're drinking. I'll eat what you're eating. Well, for me, I just turned 50. You know what the doctor says? Good news, Tim. You're going to start experiencing lack of flexibility. Okay, check. Got that one. You're going to start experiencing things uh, that uh, you may not like, like uh, your metabolism is going to slow down. Awesome. Also, you're going to experience more bone loss, muscle loss, and memory loss. What did you say? Oh, okay, memory loss. Got it. I'm rusting away. Jesus says, do not store up treasures in your body, in your clothes, in your portfolio. Why? Because he's mad at you? No, he's like, because they don't last. It's just not a smart investment to invest in things that don't last. Jesus saying, let me, let me run the numbers for you. I know how this works. You invest in me and it will grow and grow to goodness for eternity and I will hold it for you until you come home. So don't invest in things that don't last. Jesus says specifically, don't put your trust in things that can rust. Don't put your trust in things that deteriorate. Put your trust in things that last. Don't invest in earthly things that can be stolen by thieves. Thieves, invest in the bank of Jesus is what he's saying. Jesus tells us to store up treasures in heaven. He wants us to transfer earthly wealth into his hands, to a heavenly bank. How do we do it? He says by this, by serving others, by holding your riches, your time, your talents and treasures loosely and being generous right now with all those things that he's given you, by the way. Be generous now and secure heavenly treasures. Financial advisors will tell you the beauty of compound interest. You guys know what compound interest is? Someone had to tell me when I first had my first teaching job, I was a public school teacher. I taught math for three years. I was Mr. Yee coming out of college, Mr. Yee. And so I taught it for three years. And the first thing they do, you meet with your uh, teacher's uh, association and they come in with their financial advisors and they gave me the great opportunity and they showed me this graph and they told me how amazing it would be if I would leverage compound interest. In fact, Einstein said, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. That's a legend. I'm not sure if he really said it. Compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. And so I sat down with this financial advisor, and they said, let's do the math. And I put a graph up that what they showed me was this idea of compound interest. And they gave me this idea. They said, Tim, if you would just take about $400 a month, I was about 23 at the time, I think, $400 a month, and every month invest that into this and assume you get 6% return. I don't know, you guys are smarter than me. That's kind of like middle of the road for stocks or whatever. 6% return. And if you keep that in there for 40 years, you're gonna see an amazing exponential climb. Take a look at that graph. Now year two doesn't look too great. Year four doesn't look too great. Year 10 doesn't look, but year 20, you start going, what's going on here? It's the magic of compound interest. It just keeps exponentially climbing. After the year 20, year 30, year 40, that little of investment, $400, did I say that right? $400 a month, that's a lot of money, right? $5,000 a year, over 40 years, that's like over $800,000. It is amazing amount of return 
on that little bit of investment? Well, because you have, you have interest helping you out and you have time. It's all about time. So what Jesus is saying is this. He's like, look, Tim, I invented compound interest. I know how this works. Invest in my bank. I have really good rates. And guess what? Invest in me. We got a lot of time. It's all about time. If you can extend that graph out 100 years, it just keeps climbing and climbing 1,000 years, a million years. And Jesus says, I want you to understand heavenly compound interest. Invest in me. It'll never be lost. The returns will always be good. And it's guaranteed to exponentially climb. I don't know what these rewards are. I know they're real, they're tangible. I know our salvation isn't based on what we do. Oh, but Jesus does not hide the fact that he wants you to take your time right now and invest in things that last. Why, because he's mean? No, he's saying, do the math, you guys. I want you to have things that will never fade away. Invest with me, serve the poor, care for those in need, feed hungry people. I'm telling you, Jesus says, share the gospel in word and deed. And he's saying, I'm telling you, you'll have joy now and eternal treasures that will last forever. Compound interest, investing with God for eternity. So don't treat heaven like a cosmic car wash. Oh, it doesn't matter what I do now. God's going to clean it all up later. He's like, don't miss out on the best investment opportunity you will ever be offered. Hand over just a little bit to me and, and over time you will see an incredible eternal return. God doesn't want you to ignore the opportunities to invest your time, your talents, and your treasures with him right now. Don't invest in temporary things, but in things right now that will last into eternity. So Jesus wasn't saying, oh, just ignore life on earth. You're going to be in heaven. That's not what he means by saying your heavenly home. But he also isn't saying something else. Notice how Jesus isn't saying, stop storing up treasures. He didn't say stop at all. What he actually is commanding the opposite. He's saying store up treasures, but in heaven, in a new place, our true home. God wants you to accumulate treasures. He does. He has your best interest in mind. We learned last week from Matthew 16, 27, for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. Again, I'll say it for the fourth time. This is not about your salvation. You give your life to Jesus. You say, I'm going to follow you. I've confessed my sins. Put your faith in him. He says, you're saved. You're in the family. You didn't do anything. It's not about your resume, good or bad. No one has a good enough resume to earn their way into heaven. No one has a bad enough resume to keep themselves out of heaven. It's you putting your faith in Christ alone. But he is saying, you will be rewarded by, based on what you have done. That's what Matthew 16, 27 says. I love how commentator, scholar Dale Bruner says it. He says, Jesus does not remove desire. He redirects it. Rather than uproot all human ambition and passion as the Buddha has taught, Instead, Jesus counsels us to make it our ambition to be a success before the Father, to impress Him, to accumulate rewards and treasures of His notice and esteem. 
He says every person has a ruling ambition, a treasure, or an investment somewhere. This fact is not disputed or even combated by Jesus. What is decisive in Jesus' teaching is that where or what of the ambition or investment, or more pointedly, the whom. Whom are we really trying to impress? And so we pause. In the little time you have on this earth, who are you trying to impress? In the little time of your little life, maybe God will bless you with a hundred years. Whom are you trying to impress? In your work or your, your savings or whatever, your resume building, whom are you trying to impress? Because Jesus is challenging to say, the only one worth impressing is God the Father. And he tells you how to impress him. It's not based on your salvation, but how to impress God? Be generous with your possessions on earth. God takes notice and you will be rewarded because every one of us has a ruling ambition. So Jesus says, don't store your treasures on this earth. Moth, rust, thieves, right? Things fade. Instead, store it in heaven. How? By giving it away on earth. How do we do this? Be generous and share God's money with those in need. Now I know for some of us, you're already very generous, amen. I think you have to pray with the Lord over the scripture and say, well, Lord, are you asking me to be a little more generous? That's between you and the Lord. Some of you have never given a tithe or never given to the work of the Lord. So here's an invitation. Start with something. Maybe you're like, Pastor Jim, I've given like 0%. Now here you guys talking about 10%. That's way too much. Well, start with 1%. If you've never given to the Lord, just start with one and see what God will do when you trust him with your time and your talents and your treasures. It's not just money. It's all your resources. It's your time. Give it to the Lord. If you've given nothing before or very little, just pray the Lord about a little bit more. 1%, 2%, 3%, whatever it would be. Amen. I'm telling you, he doesn't want you to miss out on the joy that you'll have right now and for the future. And so we gather treasures for the, for the world to come by giving some away now. Don't live your life for the short-term gains. Think long-term, heavenly compound interest. Think for the long game, friends. Don't hoard what God gives you. And don't, don't forget, he gave these things to you. Your education, your opportunities, your network, your, your money, your retirement, your body, your family, all these things are gifts that he's entrusting you to manage on earth until he returns. Don't Hoard what God gives you, but give it away joyfully. Give it away gratefully. Give it away, I'll even use this word, playfully. It should be fun to invest in the things of the Lord. Why? Because it puts your heart in the right place. Jesus says that about your heart. It sets your interest on the important things, the things of heaven that last. I'm going to close by focusing on this last verse, verse 21. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart is will be also. Jesus says, your heart follows your money. Randy Alcorn points this out in his book. Jesus does not say your money follows your heart. This is a really important point. Jesus does not say your money follows your heart. Jesus says your heart follows your money. Suppose you buy shares, for example, this. Right now we're all wearing masks. I'm not because I'm speaking right now. We got COVID, and you know if you do a Google search, everyone's trying to find different ways to combat this terrible thing. 
And so you might say, you know what? I got some financial opportunity, some investment. I'm gonna invest in a, in a company that's gonna be combating COVID. And so you do a little Google search. Ding, what pops up is a company called Moderna. Now, I'm gonna tell you, I have no financial investment in Moderna. This is just an example, but it's a real one. You can Google it. Some of you are Googling right now. Okay, great. So you Google, you see Moderna. Okay, you decide, you know what? I'm gonna invest in Moderna. I'm gonna put money down on that company to be uh, uh, helping bring a solution to this global pandemic. Great. You know what happens? Once you put money down in your new stock, you start paying attention to that stock. You start checking daily the stock price of Moderna, which I have no idea what it is today, by the way. But you start checking the stock price every single day. And then you notice an article about Moderna that says they're going to have 20 million doses ready, a vaccine, by the end of the year. And you're like, that's good news. That's good news, right? And you start checking the news. You start listening for things. Why does that happen? Because your heart, your attention follows your money. That's what Jesus says. And it's true, isn't it? You naturally pay attention to that which you invest in, is what Jesus is saying. So I want you to imagine another scenario. Suppose you're giving to help with children in Africa who are battling the AIDS pandemic. When you see an article on that, you get interested because you have given money to meet that need in the name of Jesus. And so you start reading about it and you start caring about that nation in Africa. You start caring about kids in Africa battling AIDS. Or maybe you are going to start sending money to plant churches in India. And you certainly suddenly see a, a story about India and the and turmoil in their government. And you want to know, well, what region is that in? And uh, I want to know, how's the economy doing? Well, why do you care? Because you've invested money in the work of the Lord in India. So you start caring about it. You know why? Because Jesus says, your heart will follow your money. And so guess what? Randy Alcorn says this. He says, do you wish to care more about eternal things? Then do this, reallocate some of your money. And then he says, maybe most of your money. Reallocate some of your money from temporal things into eternal things. Put your resources, your assets, your money and possessions, your time and your talents and energies into the things of God and watch what happens. As surely as the compass needle follows north, your heart will follow your treasure. Money leads, hearts follow. So friends, don't hoard God's money. Give it away. Store it in heaven, your true home. For whatever you treasure, your heart will follow, Jesus says. Joyful generosity is a blessing to others and ultimately holding lightly onto these things that do not last and putting them into the bank of heaven, compounded interest in the heavenly way is rewarding for you. And Jesus wants you to do the math, to live this little short life, holding lightly on the things that do not last. When put them into his hands, they are eternally rewarding for others and for you. That's a great deal. Friends, let's pray. God, we thank you that we have the opportunity as your stewards, as your money managers, to take our time and our talents and treasures, and then we get to hand them back to you as we invest in earthly opportunities, which are really heavenly kingdom things, serving those in need, feeding hungry people, taking care of those who are hurting, spreading your gospel and word indeed. 
handing over, Lord, the riches you have given us and investing in a ministry. Lord, we thank you for that opportunity. We pray for those who are already so generous. May you help them to keep being generous. And would you speak to their hearts about something else in addition you want them to do that they will be rewarded for, not only in this life, but the life to come. I pray for those who have never given. And this is such a big deal to them. Lord, help them to take that step of faith, to just hand over a little to you and see what happens when they invest in your things. Lord, Lord would you bring them joy now? and reward them in the future. May they know there are heavenly rewards to come. Lord, teach us what this means as we continue to worship you in all of our life. We ask this in your name. Amen. Again, you guys are superstars for sitting in this sometime cold patio. And those of you sitting at home, thank you for tuning in as well. We're going to sing some songs and worship the Lord. And we want to invite you to stay. If you do that, we invite you to got to have you keep your mask on and stay and worship with us. Would you stand for the benediction? For those of you who won't be staying with us, we invite you if you want to go to my right towards the fountain over there to fellowship. Um, but we hope you'll stick around and sing. Hope you at home stay tuned in because we're going to sing some great worship to the Lord. It's all about him, right? It's not about you. It's our heavenly home, our true home. We get to focus on that as we sing. And so let's worship him. Let's be grateful for him. In the name of the Father, may you know our true heavenly home is with him. In the name of King Jesus, our king now, and yes, our king to come, he'll come in authority and show the fullness of his goodness. We wait for you, Jesus. In the name of the Spirit, who is with us now, helping us to choose to hold lightly those things that do not last. Oh, Lord, give us your vision as we wait for our true home. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord right now.